Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and you are listening to episode 50 of this podcast, if you can believe it, because I don't even believe it. And for episode 50, I decided that I wanted to talk to somebody. I like talking to people. I, I do like talking solo into the endless void like I'm doing right now. But for this episode, I wanted another voice here. I wanted to talk to a guy that I talk to every season. And that guy is Brian Patton, the host of the As the Story Grows podcast. And he and I are going to dig into a record that has perplexed and puzzled me for years and I can just never quite get enough of it. And that record is Training for Utopia's second album, Throwing a Wrench in the American Music Machine. But before we get into my conversation with Brian, there's a couple of things about the podcast that I want to get out of the way right up front. And that is, if you guys like this podcast, make sure that you're subscribed to it so that you don't miss any new episodes when they come out. And if you want to follow the podcast for updates and things like that, there's going to be links in the show notes of this episode that you can click on where you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the places. If you guys want to support the podcast financially, I do have a Patreon that has a few extra behind-the-scenes perks that you're not going to get anywhere else. And I've recently also launched a t-shirt shop, so if you want to get some sweet DFT's Dungeon merch, I've got hoodies and t-shirts and stickers and all of that good stuff. I've also got links in the show notes that'll take you to the merch store, so maybe stop by and pick something up if you like the podcast. So with all of that out of the way, let's get into my chat with Brian Patton of As the Story Grows about Training for Utopias, throwing a wrench in the American music machine. But yeah, I started I started watching Clone Wars this week. Oh, first time? Yes and no. So like <laughs> I've st- I've started Clone Wars like 5 or 6 times. Okay. And and every time I could never get past season 1. Because yeah. season 1 is so like there's the movie that's kind of bad and then there's the, movie the is bad. And season yeah. 1 is so slow and so painful and even watching all of it there's so much and not all of it is important or good. <laughs> It's like little one-offs because like I think at first they were like we're gonna make this show for kids and it seems like somewhere in the middle of season two They like woke up and were like I bet all Star Wars fans are watching this. Yeah So why don't we make it for all Star Wars fans mm-hmm. and but yeah I started watching it because Ahsoka just started you know, and I haven't watched a single episode of it yet But I want to because th- I I love Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, yeah. He was my first Star Wars villain. Before I'd even seen the movies, I I had access to the books. Yeah. So Thrawn was like the very first like imposing, you know, it's such such a weird introduction to Star Wars because it's like, you know, the Empire are the underdogs, (laughs) you know, and they've got this, (laughs) you know, they've got this tactical genius and he's cool and alien and and all that stuff. And so I really want to see what they do with Thrawn in that series. But the problem is, is that I haven't seen Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know Ahsoka that well. I also didn't watch Rebels. So I don't know what the Rebels version of Thrawn was like mm-hmm. or any of that stuff. So I'm going to try to finish up Clone Wars and then move on to Rebels. And then by that time, the Ahsoka series will be done. So I'll just be able to just watch it all in one go. Yeah. My advice 
would be to find one of those like essential episode lists. Especially they probably have like an essentials Ahsoka list mm -hmm. and then watch all of season seven because it's short and it's manageable. And then watch Rebels because Rebels is incredible. And then okay. yeah, then you can be caught up and I mean, yeah. I'll be telling you all about how much I loved Ahsoka in like a year and a half. I'll be, be like, great. dude. Yeah, I uh, have that I rule. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll be all like, I fucking hated it. Yeah, well, <laughs> and here's yeah. why. But probably not. I've really gotten pretty chill about Star Wars over the years. Um, there are some things that they put out that I don't like, but it's just like listening to a band, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you're just going to have to accept that a creative force is going to make different decisions the longer they are a creative force. And I think that is kind of the perfect tie-in for talking about this record by Training for Utopia, which is a band that it was not a creative force for a very long time, but the short run that they had, they put out two very vastly different products. Yeah. You know, I think this is an interestingly topical episode considering Training for Utopia just made their... Uh, first appearance in how many years has it been you think since they played uh they broke up in shortly after this record i mean it was like 2000 so i mean this record came out in 99 so it was like right there in 2000 that they disbanded and demon hunter was like oh two so yeah 24 years yeah something yeah. like that just wild i wanted it to be more topical than it was but then i had a whole bunch of dumb stuff happened and i ended up having to delay all my episodes by a week but uh something you may not know brian is that this episode is actually episode 50 of dft's dungeon give me a hell yeah what? What? Kind of crazy. Feels yeah. like we've only been doing it a couple of weeks. <laughs> it, it's actually been over a year now, which is really kind of hard to explain <laughs> like to myself. Like, where did all that time go? And I kind of feel that way about this record because, uh, and I'm going to ask you because I'm, I'm going to get in the habit of doing this. What is Brian Patton's first experience with Training for Utopia? It would have been the song... Uh that was on songs from the penalty box, which was the falling cycle. And then I bought the falling cycle EP from there. It's it's funny, I was thinking about this. I never bought, I don't own a physical copy of Plastic Soul Embailment still to this really? day. And I never like in my Zayo collection, I don't own the Zayo TFU split. I just own falling cycle and throwing a wrench. So I've only got like five vinyl records, but one of those vinyl records is Plastic Soul Impalement. <laughs> That's a good one to have. I don't know how it sounds. I also think I have a. I think I have a cassette of Plastic Soul as well, but nice. uh, I'll have to. I'll have to dig in that uh, in that big bookshelf behind me. It's not very organized right now. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it might be in there. But hey, you know what? If you need a physical copy, I might just send you that tape because I never listen to tapes anymore, and I know okay. you enjoy your tapes. I'm, I'm a big fan of the cassette tape. They're very good. When did you first obtain a physical copy of anything TFU? Sometime shortly after Songs from the Penalty Box, because that record, that comp was so influential. I mean, that's where I heard Zayo and Strongarm for the first time and Clank. And so, like, I was already a fan of Tooth and Nail, but that exposed me to all the heavy stuff. And I was like, I love Zayo. I love Training for Utopia. So it was like probably shortly after that. So probably in that 97, 98 time frame that I just compiled a mass of <laughs> CDs. Yeah. Did you ever get to see the band? I never got to see them live, and I always wanted to. And I, I was stoked when they were playing Furnace Fest. I wanted to go, but I, I just went to Spain, so that Furnace Fest was not going to happen. <laughs> right? Yeah, I had to go um, to a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> um. But and and watching the videos 
on YouTube, it doesn't feel like maybe I missed a whole lot. I'm sure it was better if you were there in person, but it was not great from my perspective on YouTube. Well, I feel that. I mean, it, it's hard sitting there like watching it on a phone in a bathtub. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Why do I got to buy a new phone every six months? But it is weird that weird's the word of the episode, really. I mean, this record, I've beat around the bush about it a lot, and I'll give you like sort of my story. Yeah, I heard Plastic Soul Impalement. I talked about in the Strong Arm episode about how I had bought a, a box of mystery tapes mm -hmm. uh, from a guy, and it had all this really, really cool stuff in it. It had, um, it had like folk, it had the two focused albums, it had um, Helpless Amongst Friends, both volumes. And um, it had like unashamed and and stuff like that and overcome and but it also had some of the newer solid state stuff like it had splinter shards in it, it had TFU plastic soul impalement, it had embodiment embrace the eternal you know so like it was yeah. a it, it's the kind of thing that like if I put it in a box and sold it on eBay tomorrow I could get like you know several hundred dollars yeah, right. <laughs> for this like for this like fifteen dollar you know mystery tapes bundle yeah so I didn't hear this one right away it took it I actually didn't get this record. I don't even think I knew this record existed because it was another band, like a lot of bands that were in that box. They were already gone by the yeah. time I had I had really become aware of them. And so I remember a buddy of mine, we were at a Slacker CDs and Games, my buddy Mike, and he's like, hey, he's like training for Utopia. And I was all like, is this... I was like, is it the same band? Like the cover, he's like, he's like, how is it not the same band? There can only ever be one band called Training <laughs> for Utopia. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And I was like, all right, that's fair enough. And so I remember we got it. We were really stoked because we loved Plastic Soul Impalement. And so we pop it in on the drive home. Because I think I was driving, and we pop it in, and we just had no idea for like the first ten minutes, like what was even what was even going on, you know, and not in like the not in the chaotic way, right? Like the first time you ever hear a band like TFU or you know early Norma Jean or you know the Chariot and stuff like that, it's like oh, what's going on? Crazy chaotic, right? Yeah. But like I guess TFU sort of saw the writing on the wall with that style of like, we surprised everybody once. So now we have to find a new way to be weird <laughs> and, yeah. and just completely unconventional. So when that first song kicks on, which is hilariously titled 50,000 Screaming TFU Fans Can't Be Wrong, it was such an ironic title at the time, just because obviously that was not something that <laughs> probably would ever have happened. Although I, I wonder how many people were able to fit in that plug your holes. Probably wasn't 50,000 people. Probably not. At Furnace Fest, but that's probably the most people that had ever been lined up stoked to see Training for Utopia. But it's an interesting song because, like I, I said before we started recording, that like this album doesn't have a lot of lyrics, mm -hmm. which makes makes it hard for guys like me to talk about, <laughs> you know, for extended periods of time. But it's so interesting because I, I can even just read the lyrics to the whole song and it'll only take me a second where it's just tired of playing, tired of not being played, tear this city down, dance among the flames. Rock is alive and well. Give me all your fame. Some things are not for free. I'm for sale. I'm going to tear this movement down. I'm going to remain deleted. Been played. Been underpaid. 
<laughs> you still threw me away and I want it back. And it just really sets like whenever you combine it with the music, which is just like just starts off with a whole bunch of like staticky like radio broadcasts. Yeah. It's like, you know, do you believe rock and roll is the message of Satan and the devil himself? And then like one of my favorite quotes from a record of all time is on the song where he's like, rock and roll by its very nature leads to a breakdown, you know? And then it just gets in it, you know, everything sort of quiets up and then they're like, are you ready to rock and roll? And then you hear Ryan heel, yeah! <laughs> are you ready to rock and roll? And then they just it just goes into this just absolutely frantic like I don't even know how to describe it because it I don't know Brian you're gonna have to help me out like it's hardcore right kind of kind of yeah yeah I, I don't even know how to put this record in a box so let me tell you my origin story with this album okay um, so my dad had discovered Radio U. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what Radio U is, it's a radio station in Westerville, Ohio, just outside of Dayton. It's a Christian radio station. And, like, it's not, like, shitty CCM Christian radio, right? Like, they were playing Training for Utopia just on, like, Tuesday at 1 in the afternoon, right? You could hear Training for Utopia or POD um, and all, all sorts of stuff. My dad discovered it and, like, was recommended it to me. And because at that time internet was dial up instead of me being on the internet all the time to listen to radio it was like it's better they were on the sky angel dish network which was a christian satellite dish network because that was a thing that actually existed he just bought the satellite dish so we could listen to a radio station all the time that's crazy <laughs> so they they also used to have contests and because they had this they knew they had a fan base that was bigger than just localized Ohio, you could call in and win CDs or whatever. So I remember calling in and winning a prize pack of CDs, and it was three CDs. It was uh, Mortification, Hammer of God. Nice. It was Extol's Paralysis EP. Nice. And it was Training for Utopia, throwing a wrench in the music machine. And Holy shit. Yeah. My favorite record out of those three was the Extol record. But the one I've listened to most still is this Training for Utopia record, because I, I had the Falling Cycle EP. I knew Training for Utopia. But I had heard New York City is overrated. And this record, it was weird. And I think for the first time in my life, because this came out in 1999, so I was 14 or just turned 15 when I get this record. This is the first time I was like, this is art. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to describe it other than this is art. And hardcore is art and it really exist at that, this point. Not in this way. That like the band is sending a message and I don't, I don't know what, that message was I, at 15 i was like i don't know what this is o other than i'm obsessed with listening to it and now as i'm about to turn i think i'll be 39 like i still don't know what the fuck to do with it yeah it's a record i've debated on doing an episode about because i don't know what to say about it other than we can just sort of talk about it <laughs> with our with our limited experience because yeah, whenever I ask, like, oh, is it hardcore? I, I don't know. Like, the, the only way I can really describe it is that it's, you know, they're like, okay, but that sounds like Plastic Soul. When I say, well, you know, it's unpredictable. It's very noisy, very staticky, almost intentionally lo-fi in places. But it's almost like 
and I remember Ryan saying something about this in the so I had I bought the compilation album a few years later. I was going to say a few years ago, but it's probably been like 15 years yeah. since then. But I, I remember it was the Technical Difficulties release yeah. where they combined, I think they combined most of the albums plus some of the Falling Cycle stuff. Yeah. And I remember Ryan saying something like they sat down and they recorded a hardcore album. They recorded an album of songs. I don't know if you specifically said it was a hardcore album. And then they had like one of their friends go in and just like remix everything. And the remixed versions of the songs is what you got, <laughs> you know, as the actual release. But it gives the album just this really bizarre quality because you don't really have song structure in the way that you would have in a hardcore band or even a chaotic band. You know, he used the term spazcore a lot in that booklet. I remember that. And I was like, yeah, that's a term that did not catch on. It, it's really the only good description that I can come up with for this album and uh, I'm going to be playing music clips obviously like <laughs> while we're talking so you'll have a little bit of a better idea of what we're talking about but one of the things that I found really striking about this record versus Plastic Soul Impalement is that it seemed like a very like angry but also very like heartfelt records where he's talking about like real emotions mm -hmm. and it's the kind of emotions that you're going to get on a lot of the like late 90s like mid to late 90s christian hardcore albums which is a lot of like self-loathing and feeling like you're not stacking up to what you're supposed to be spiritually and it's weird how on this record they've replaced a lot of that with this just really sarcastic don't give a fuck you know kind of kind of attitude and i and i it just makes me wonder i was like did they really harden that much in the couple of years <laughs> between releases or was this just some kind of like way to try to make the album like more out there more artful i guess yeah and and like did they harden cuz like part of me looks at this record and I go like this is just the they're like middle fingers up like we don't give a fuck but I'm like then they form Demon Hunter which is like the most mainstream like we're going to be rock stars like poetic music <laughs> yeah you, you could release so I believe I've heard stories that they like I mean they had a hard time touring like churches were always like what is this like kids were not into it because they were just like a band that destroyed things and they were not the conventional hardcore band they were not the conventional metal band and like this is still a very new thing in christian music in the late 90s yeah and and you're trying to appeal to an audience that is like just discovering zeo and it's like yeah zeo and tfu kind of contemporaries but also nothing like each other yeah where it's like, you know, if you were listening to Botch and Dead Guy and Early Coalesce, you're like, yeah, of course, those early Training for Utopia records make sense, but not in the Christian scene yet. That stuff hadn't come over yet. Norma Jean didn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah, you needed you need, stuff like Norma Jean needed a couple of more years to cook, you know, yeah. uh, before it was really going to hit hard. And yeah, and it's interesting, too, because this album, you know, they have the... the infamous clip from airheads you know where uh brennan fraser's like do you know what it's like to be on the bill and to play for 15 minutes and the only people there to see you are the other bands and their girlfriends don't talk to me about rock and roll i'm not there in the clubs and on the streets and i'm living it i am rock and roll that's very embodied especially on the first song where he's like really just making fun of like the idea of like 
selling out and, you know, people complaining about their pay. And I think some of that is sincere too, because whenever I end up talking about New York City is overrated, it's one of the very few songs where I can kind of pick up, you know, the meaning of where they're coming from. But the other ones are like, uh, absolutely. There's only going to be like two or three lyrical analysis on this episode because some of this stuff is just, I mean, you, you've got a song like The State of Wyoming is Useless, which is 45 seconds of just Papa's going to tear you down. <laughs> just like what are you guys doing yeah uh, like, these guys talk for an hour about this record and i still have no idea what this record is trying to convey <laughs> well i i mean that's i've listened to this record hundreds of times i still don't know what it's trying to convey i, I just know it's an experience to listen to and like nothing i think highlights the experience of this record more than everything including the stars is falling Oh man. Uh, well, well, you want to go or you want me to go? Go, go. On this one? Yeah. All right. You start. Okay. So, everything, including the stars, is falling, baby, is one of the most beautiful, like, acoustic ballad type songs I've ever heard. And I've listened to Demon Hunter. I mean, I talked about Demon Hunter last week, but, like, it's funny to me because this is the kind of thing that, like, if you're a Demon Hunter already, like, you, you expect this from Ryan Clark. Mm -hmm. You expect like, okay, we've had all these hard hitting songs, you know, that are in your face and or, or whatever. And then you're like, okay, here's the heartfelt, beautiful, acoustic Ryan singing. I mean, he sounded great even back then. You know what I mean? Like, it's just awesome. And then you read the lyrics. <laughs> and the lyrics are him basically, like he says, I'll forget what you said to me. Just pretend didn't mean anything if i could clamp you shut maybe i just would i'd leave you quiet for days <laughs> would that do any good and then in the second verse he goes in and he's like he's like you don't know when to shut your mouth you keep on rambling around if i could hold you down maybe i just would on your face for days <laughs> would that do any good and it's like wait what <laughs> like you've got this beautiful song you've got this these very emotionally delivered heartfelt lyrics and they're hateful they're hateful. <laughs> like they're like yeah. they're, it's literally a song like shut the fuck up i don't want to hear you talk <laughs> i don't want to say any if i could i would hold your mouth shut i would sit on you you know i would hold you down with your face in the dirt for days if if i could just get you to be quiet and i'm like whoa like <laughs> This is, number one, this is like one of the most confrontational, like intentionally mean songs I've ever mm -hmm. heard in the Solid State Records catalog. 
Ya. And the fact that it sounds like this is what really cements it as amazing. Like art, you know, just artful. And it's it's definitely a if you know, you know kind mm-hmm. of song. Well, even still, what listening to the record again to today and over the weeks, right? You go from like Tennessee Midget, which is just like driving, just like zero chugs, and then right into acoustic guitar and singing and you're just like where did that come from Be- because there's no break it's like you get that pick slide and then write acoustic guitar mm-hmm. um it's like why the first time i heard it i was like what what is this and you're waiting for something to happen in a record that is truly like just chaos because like if that's true that they recorded an album sent it to somebody to remix and release the remix like that makes sense i think i've said like Training for Utopia is a studio band to create chaos, where Demon Hunter is a studio band to like write songs and be beautiful. Um, right. I th- I, maybe I said that on the Patreon podcast for As the Story Grows, but like, yeah, the, they just drop this in here and then come right in with New York City is overrated. It's like <laughs> nothing to see here, just this passing thing. Yeah, don't worry about it. We uh, we we shut that up. It's gone. It's we, you know, we, 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 yeah. I have theorized over the years, and this is probably total bullshit. So don't take it for anything other than that. I think that everything, including the stars, are falling and New York City is overrated are about the same person. <laughs> New York City is overrated is probably, if there's a most popular song on this record, th- this is the one. And it's just almost iconic to me now. Anytime I hear anybody like play a fast riff, like, didn't, and then stop. And then a it, like I'm, I'm always like, okay, yeah, they're doing, you know, they, they've heard this song. Yeah, um, I'm sure it's been done before, but this is the first time I heard it. Um, and just the way you've got that, just sort of like awesome, like just basic, like it sounds like a Sounds of the '90s sample CD that they just pulled the beat off of. Right, it, it's got a very hip hop feel at the beginning. <laughs> yes, but like, but like shitty hip hop, like on right. purpose. You know, like it's, it's, this is such a self-aware record that like you hear it and you're like, oh my God, what the fuck are they doing now? You know? And then like, you just get this, Ryan doesn't even do his like screamed vocals much on this. It's mostly just like almost incoherent yelling throughout most of it. Either that, or he's like whispering in a slow way, you know, I almost said dirge. But uh, he's like, he's going, uh, he's going really slow and creepy or he's just yelling, you know, bright lights, big Mm -hmm. city, light, bright lights, big city over and over and over and over again. And uh, you have to like really strain your ear to get to the lyrics. 
which seemed to me to be about like this could also be bullshit, but this seems to me like they drove to New York City and did not get paid for a show. <laughs> right? Is what it sounds like to me. Uh, just because she's just like two hundred dollars for nothing. I think you know. I think I know you're bluffing. Hand me the money. He's not on the phone. They're playing along, throwing the table, the cardboard mayhem. We're surrounded. Especially with this as the soundtrack. It sounds like TFU rolled into a club in New York, didn't get paid, and then like fought like a cheesy 90s martial arts film, just like fought their way out of the venue mm -hmm. <laughs> or something. And that could just be my, my imagination. I did not have a lot of friends when I first heard this album. <laughs> uh, so... You know, I, I could have just concocted this in my brain uh, one night. I, as far as I'm concerned, that's DFT Dungeon Cannon. Like, that's, yeah. that is what the song is about. It feels like they knew this was the end of the line for this band, that they had said what they wanted to say, that they, they were not making any inroads. This Maybe they were tired of the chaotic music scene, that they wanted to do Demon Hunter. They wanted to do something more in the melodic metal vein. And and this was the end. I mean, C&I Fruitback closes the record. Consider this goodbye. This is the end. Like Yeah. And it was. <laughs> Well, and it, it, it get controversial statements here. I wonder sometimes if this is the band that they wanted to do, like this was their childhood passion. This was what they, they wanted to be in a heavy band. I mean, obviously Ryan was in focal point, you know, before this, but like, I felt like this was the band that they wanted to do. This is where they put all of their creativity and all of their artfulness into. And then they released this record where they're like, we just don't care anymore because you guys don't care. Yeah because nobody else nobody else cares everybody just wants us to write you know and play mainstream sounding music and so i'm making a bit of an implication that like they come back with demon hunter just a couple of years later and it's like there is this what you want you know is this what you want us to do and again that's that's just what i think that has no bearing on actual <laughs> reality but i think that if if you're looking at just that and you really kind of read between the lines of like what this album is trying to say it, it really is a band that sounds like they're hurting from the fact that nobody gets what they're trying to do so they're just sort of acting out as much as humanly possible mm -hmm. to get that out of their system yeah not to make this about demon hunter but there's something you talked about everything including the stars i remember when demon hunter first signed to solid state and they were doing the whole mask thing right they were doing the slipknot thing and everybody's identity was a secret and they were this like mystery band on solid state who were mm -hmm. they and then solid state three came out and through the black that was the first song i remember hearing that song and being like oh that's ryan from train for utopia like and it's not like his vocals sound the, the same on trading for utopia and demon hunter but it, there was something where i was like that's the same guy yeah the delivery was very similar but i remember when I, once i got this record though i didn't really return to plastic soul impalement mm -hmm. much anymore because like this was like the new cool thing like if uh i used to be really be obsessed with like sort of weirding people out showing them bands and so 
yeah, you could weird people out to a certain degree with Plastic Soul Impalement, but this record is like the clear, like, I'm going to put this on and let people just sort of get, try to guess like what they're hearing or, or what, or what they're listening to. And so I didn't have that. I had no idea who Demon Hunter was, you know, whenever I first heard it. But I feel like if I had listened to more like Plastic Soul Impalement, a lot of the phrasing, the way he screams, the way he enunciates and stuff, I could definitely see that now, you know, 20 something years removed (laughs) from it. But yeah, and I remember that being a huge deal. I heard it's like, oh, this TFU episode's a secret Demon Hunter part two episode. But it's weird too, because the song, this is one of those records that before the chariot was a thing, this band was like my favorite when it came to weird song titles. Yeah. Uh, so you've got obviously the first song, 50,000 Screaming TFU Fans Can't Be Wrong, White Boy's Burden, The State of Wyoming is Worthless. It's like, okay. And then the lyrics don't talk about that at all no. or, or or elaborate. You've got the the iconic Burt Reynolds versus Godzilla, Yeah. which is a fight that I, I mean, I would, if that was a V, if that was a shitty VHS sitting in a blockbuster that's like abandoned it. somewhere, I would, I'd want to watch that immediately. Yeah. Tennessee Midget, everything including the stars. New York City is overrated. The art of killing a copy machine. <laughs> like, and it's weird because that song actually has like sort of office terminology yeah. <laughs> in it, you know, uh, where he's like, and now you point every finger at me that I haven't done my job. You were working overtime with no results. So now I am pointing the fingers. No idea. Like most of the lyrics on this album, it sounds like excerpts from a psychopath's diary, you know, <laughs> like, and again, you know, not to, I, I hate throwing demon hunter on this. Like Ryan's probably going to listen to this and be like, what? I thought you guys were talking about TFU, not demon hunter, but like, it's just weird how like sort of heartfelt and like well thought out like a lot of the demon hunter lyrics are Mm -hmm. you know they always just sort of uh, i talked about that in last week's episode how like they they always they balanced their like confrontational songs out with like very introspective songs Mm -hmm. and on this it's almost like there's so much introspection to the point where you can't even determine what the original inspiration (laughs) was behind those words like you would have to just be in someone else's brain to even to even get a hint and i always struggle with records like this because i always like to know what the meaning is Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, it's just so that I can apply that meaning to something that I'm going through, you know, or that uh, pretty much this whole podcast is that. And so with this record, you know, I'm I'm going to struggle filling 40 minutes worth of <laughs> talking about it. I always like to make my episodes a little bit longer than the album itself, you know, <laughs> like the, just to have the last word. Yeah. The testament to this record i think is like even though you have no idea what's happening even though it's this like weird art piece record it's still very catchy like oh yeah the songs are catchy you put it on i mean fifty thousand screaming tfu fans is like a killer opener i mean even it's all it's weirdness like it's a great opening track white boy's burden again has that like old school new york bad hip-hop vibe to it in the drums which maybe on the remix um i mean tennessee midgets like 
got that like groove to it. Yeah. Like, and, and New York city is overrated. The, the back half of the record things really get off the rails and (laughs) things are really weird. I mean, dead signal 2000 is just like, I mean, it's noise. Um, and it's, it's like the band gives up. (laughs) Yeah. And it's supposed to be like a sequel to, you know, the original Dead Signal. Yeah. What, one of my favorite things about this album has always been the artwork. It's the thing that, that captures the attention immediately. Um, it would look great on vinyl, solid state, on original yeah. vinyl. Um, I, I, again, I don't know if people would buy I think now people would buy it. Um, I think they did, actually. They, I think there was an edition of this at Furnace Fest. Oh, yeah, vinyl. that's right. That is one yeah. they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Two Damn. guys talking a lot about Furnace Fest that didn't even go. But yeah, yeah, this is how it works. Oh. But, like, I I always loved the artwork. The, the yellow skeletons in, in military uniforms against the white and red backdrop. Just, like, a gorgeous piece of art. I like the skeleton soldiers. I like all the numbers. Like, and you better believe I used to be bored enough to sit there and run all those numbers, you know, <laughs> against any type of pattern that I could that I could detect to see if there was a hidden message. <laughs> uh, and of course, there wasn't. Just yeah. like the lyrics, you've got you've got two guys that are incredible at designing album covers yeah. <laughs> and and liner notes and stuff. But yeah, it's such a striking cover. Because again, you get sort of a sense that you're going to be listening to a record that has some darkness in it, <laughs> right? With the skeletons, but like you've just got that that cool like white and red and orange mixed together. Like it's very like probably if I had to guess, it's probably like what California punk culture, you know, like bright flashy colors. Yeah. You know, that's probably where that comes from. And it's such a striking cover from the previous album, which was just like a mutilated Ken doll. Right. At least in my version of it, it was. There, I know there's like two covers for that record. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Falling Cycle and the Zayo split, like everything is so dark. And and yeah, this just stands in contrast as it does musically, as it does visually. Like the band is is changing in front of our eyes and they're changing. They, they go out in a ball of flames. <laughs> Now, you know this, and I don't, but I, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the split with Zayo came out before this, right? It yes. came out between yep. the two records. Yeah. So it's interesting hearing what TFU sounded like on the split, uh, and then to go to this next, because when you listen to the split after listening to Plastic Soul Impalement, you're like, okay, they're going to get harder. They're going to be heavier. You know what I mean? There, there's an alternate reality where they went in just that direction mm-hmm. and they're, you know, just as widely regarded as like a Norma Jean, you know, because yeah. Plastic Soul, it's funny. The alternate cover is, is the, is the cover on Spotify for Plastic Soul. Yeah. I could, I could definitely hear that in the similarity with the vocals. I th- also think that Ryan sounds the most demon hunter on that split. Yeah. Out, of, out of all of the training for utopia stuff it makes me always wonder what these songs were like in their original form mm-hmm. or if this was the intent and i'll never know right it, it goes against what this record is to ever show that yeah you know or or were they even really songs you know to begin with or, or was it really like we're just going to write these really cool parts and then we're going to sort of copy and paste them together mm-hmm. in whatever digital format is available in 1999 i don't even know if it was digital or if they were patching tape together you know i don't yeah. know how a lot of the remixes and stuff worked back then yeah because like now i could just take any album and throw it into an ai and make a remix yeah. in you know in, in a few seconds but with this 
I think my takeaway as I sort of wrap up on my thoughts on this is that like this record was one of the first records that I ever got where I didn't necessarily have to relate to it on a personal emotional level to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that sounds big. Like I, I don't know if that's just a problem that like I have where like if I'm gonna really enjoy a record, it's gonna be one of my favorites of all time. I have to have like I don't know, got into a fucking car accident or something while I was listening to it. Or, or you know, have have some crazy story about being held prisoner in someone's house or, or something like that to go along with it. But no, this record, I have just, over the years, I will still go to this one as kind of my palate cleanser. Because eventually, you know, I get sick of listening to Deathcore. You know, or I get sick of listening to metalcore. I get sick of listening to like other styles of music if they exist. You know, whenever I, whenever I go back and listen to this one, it just sort of resets my brain in a way. And then that's usually the mood that that usually puts me in the mood to check out new music. Yeah. You know that that sort of feeling of like almost like watching a movie for the first time. You know, and not knowing what's going to happen ahead of time, and not yeah. having like a plan laid out of like. Okay, I'm gonna hear this song now, and it's gonna remind me of this, or it's gonna bring me this emotion. You know, retreading is like eating too much candy, right? You eat the same thing over and over and over again, and and you might love it, and you might love it in the future, but eventually the laws of diminishing returns will kick in, and you will not enjoy it like you used to. This record has remained timeless to me in a, a way to where. It's still so weird and out there from what I normally listen to that even though it's familiar to me, I still kind of go into it like I'm experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I think this album has aged incredibly well. I think it's aged a lot better than Plastic Soul Impalement. Like, yeah, it's weird, but it still feels fresh and relevant, you know, 24 years later, right? Like, it still works. I I put it on. I still get the same excitement, you know, that chord kicks in you know are you ready to rock yeah fuck yeah i am let's go like (laughs) every time um so yeah i I, this is this is a piece of art you're not i don't think you're supposed to understand it It is a band at the end of their career just kind of doing what they wanted um and and moving on to better things yep bigger things anyways even better might be debatable (laughs) absolutely Uh, well i would be remiss if i didn't ask you what guests do you have for as the story grows coming up that you're excited about oh my god i know you have a lot so you know so so much um interviewed tommy from prong that's coming um that's a fun interview nathan gray from the iron roses boy sets fire they're back on the podcast really great post-hardcore band called fox cult uh, coming on transgender post hardcore great band you should check out their single I, I don't even know what else is coming up it's so much on the calendar i'm recording yeah. a million podcasts this week um yeah two podcasts every week there's so much happening with as the story grows it's so funny because like i'm always you and i talk almost every day on discord yeah. and it, the conversation's always one of those like You'll message me and be like, "Oh my God, I'm so busy this week. I've got, <laughs> I've got this, 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 this," 
And I'm like, yeah, um, I got an episode due in three days. I'm not really sure which uh, what it's going <laughs> to be about. And a lot of that just comes from like most of like this podcast, especially is very now that I'm on episode 50, I'm gonna be a little bit reminiscent, a little, you know, the whole point of this podcast was inspiration. Right. Because mm -hmm. the thing that always bugged me about discography discussion is I had to talk about X band every week, whether I wanted to or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, whether I was in the mood to listen to, you know, suffocation or cradle of filth. And I didn't just have to listen to some of it. I had to listen to all of it. Uh, so much of it, like with bands like that, that have so many records, it's like really hard for you to focus in on one thing and say anything with any substance at all because you just got to get through it you got to get through it yeah. and so with this podcast it was like yeah i'm just going to focus on one record and the unspoken rule was that like it has to be a record that like means something to me personally or mm -hmm. it has to be a record that like maybe in certain cases like for the discovering episodes sometimes it's just a record that i've been listening to a lot that week or yeah. uh just you know that sort of thing it's definitely it leads to weird situations where like sometimes it's episode time and i've got jack and shit in my hands because i yeah. chose to listen to star wars audiobooks all week you know instead of uh and you know and maybe that'll be a thing you know maybe uh, there. maybe <laughs> yeah maybe maybe episode 60 is going to be me talking about you know timothy zahn's the thrawn trilogy you know although i probably can't play clips from that or i'll get probably like sued into the ground by disney uh but you never know probably i got away with power rangers somehow yeah. uh <laughs> but that's really why, like for anybody that's, you know, um, peek behind the curtain, like I'm this episode we're recording it now won't come out for like two more weeks. Like I referred to last week's Demon Hunter episode uh, and that's not even like done yet. Like it's recorded, but it's not done yet. I haven't released it yet, but there was definitely a, a gap there where I had just so much going on in my personal life. I didn't have, I didn't have the time to dedicate to doing the podcast. And so that's probably i think that's the first time that's really happened in a year i think it happened one time when i went on vacation but uh yeah but rest assured i'm still always thinking and always you know trying to do things but i need to be more like you brian and keep a calendar and <laughs> you know make things uh make things a little bit more organized the, the, the calendar is helpful i mean you're my third podcast today so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what's funny is i asked you if i asked you when we were going to do the episode this week and uh you're like i mean i can do it tonight and i was like fuck it yeah let's do it tonight <laughs> spontaneity Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. I can't wait to do another 50 episodes for you guys within the next year or so. So I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you're enjoying the season, send me an email, dftdungeon at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think of season three so far. Or, of course, you can always comment on Discord or the various social media platforms that the podcast is on. Make sure you guys check out Brian's podcast as the story grows. And I hope to see you guys here again next week where I am talking about a record that reinforces my endless love of space. See you guys next week. <laughs>